Welcome to the New Wine Podcast. My name is Jay Matthew Barnes. The goal of New Wine is simply this, to talk about what it looks like to follow Jesus in the real world. This is Podcast 16, and here's the question we'll try to answer this time. What is the gospel, the good news, and why does it matter? Recently, I was working on a curriculum project at a church. The primary goal of this project was to communicate what the gospel was to the congregants. Almost immediately, we we ran into problems. Specifically, everyone I was working with had very different ideas of what the gospel was. Along with some other team members, we went through a short but thorough process of looking at the Bible, especially the New Testament, to figure out what the gospel meant. What we'll talk about today is greatly influenced by this process. So, to start with, how is the word gospel used today by those who follow Jesus? Well, I think for a lot of us, the word gospel is used to define a salvation plan. That someone is in need of God, that Jesus died for their sins, they need to accept him, and then they can be saved. That's the way that many of us use the word the gospel. When we say share the gospel, we often mean that salvation plan idea. Of course, many of us use the word gospel to refer to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the books of the Bible. It's also just a very churchy buzzword. Um, It can be used in all kinds of different ways, and even in all-inclusive kind of ways, to say that this is a gospel-centered church where the church may actually never talk about the gospel the way that the New Testament does, or it might say um, that we want to engage in gospel-centered parenting or, or all kinds of different things where it becomes just a buzzword to demonstrate or to attempt to demonstrate to people that we are focused on what's important, and that important thing is the gospel. Now, all of these uses are inadequate. They don't seem to line up very well with the picture of the gospel that we get from the Bible, which we're going to explore in a second. And frankly, they've not proven to be effective over time. In fact, they've proven to be very ineffective. In in the West, especially in America, we have experienced declining church membership, It seems to me that discipleship is a thing of the past. People aren't interested in growing in their faith with Christ, perhaps because we're not communicating the gospel well. And speaking of the gospel, evangelism is is this idea of sharing the good news, the gospel, is almost non-existent in most of the lives of those who follow Jesus. People are not engaged in sharing the good news with others. It doesn't seem like The way that we understand the gospel is working. It's not effective. We need to do something different. In order to do that, we need to look at the Bible itself. What does this word gospel mean in the New Testament? Well, the word gospel is translated from a Greek word, euangelion, which literally means good message or good news. The first part of that word, you, is the same Uh, prefix as in the word eulogy. And a eulogy is where you speak good words about someone at their funeral. So you means good. And angelion is where we get our English word angel, which simply in Greek and in Hebrew, the, the Hebrew equivalent of this word means messenger. So there's this idea that the good news, that is the gospel, is a good message. It's good news. Now, of course, this can be confusing because we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they're all called Gospels. But they're called Gospels because they communicate 
the good news, namely that the Messiah has come and has started God's grand rescue plan. So it seems to me, based on just an exploration of what the word in Greek, euangelion, the good news, means, that it has to be more than a plan of salvation or a book of the Bible or, or even a churchy buzzword. It's got to be more than that. So I think a great place for us to start would in, in trying to figure out exactly what does the gospel mean in the New Testament would be to look at the way that Jesus uses the word gospel. Now I want to pause for a second and think about something. Um, a lot of us, a lot of you listening may resist the idea that the gospel is more than the plan of salvation. But Jesus preached the gospel. Jesus, while he was on earth, before he died and was risen again, preached the gospel. It would not make sense for him to preach the death and resurrection of himself before he had died and been resurrected. So it's got to be more than that. So how did Jesus use this word? In his very first sermon, in Luke chapter 4, in the city of Nazareth, Jesus used the word gospel as he quoted Isaiah 61. He said there that he came to preach good news to the poor. So the gospel is something that can be preached. It's something that can be spoken. Words can be used. It's a message. It's, it, I think to put it in a really, good, a really good word with it is it's a story. Now Jesus said, in Luke chapter 4, whenever he could have chosen any passage from the Bible and talked about anything he wanted to for his first sermon, he said that he came to preach or to share the story of God's grand rescue, to preach the good news, and to whom? To the poor. Now, a lot of times when, when we read that word poor in the Bible, we like to spiritualize it. And we like to say that the author there or that Jesus must have been talking about the spiritually poor, those who know they're far from God, know that they need God, the humble, something like that. But Luke most likely had in mind the materially poor. The word he chose makes me think that in Greek, but also if you read the book of Luke and the book of Acts, which is Luke's second volume, you'll see that Jesus and the earliest followers of Jesus consistently had interactions with the materially poor. So there's something special here about the idea of preaching the good news to the poor, to the unprivileged, the downcast, the forgotten, and the marginalized. Those sort of people are the primary people with whom Jesus came to share the good news. In Matthew chapter 4, uh, the, the author of Matthew says, of course we call him Matthew, says, characterizes Jesus' ministry in this way. It says that he came teaching in synagogues, teaching in places where Jews came to study the law, that he preached the good news, again, this idea of speaking the good news with his mouth, and that he healed the sick. And Matthew is saying to us that these things go together. That Jesus' ministry was not tripartite, where he taught, he preached, and he healed, but that all of these things were together. They came as a package. They're together. The good news is not just something that can be shared with our mouths, but it's a story that we can live with our actions. The good news is more than just words. It's more than preaching and teaching. It's also doing. It's also living. It's healing the sick. It's caring for the material needs of the people that God puts across our paths. 
In the Gospel of Mark, in chapter 1, verse 15, Jesus says, The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Now, in the Gospel of Mark, this serves as the thesis of the whole book, and it serves as the summary of Jesus' entire ministry. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Now, what does this statement mean? The kingdom of God has come near. Why? Because Jesus has come. The kingdom of God is the reign or the rule of God. That that place, that time, that, that situation in which God rules. And Jesus is saying that God's reign, his rule, his dominion has come because I'm here. The kingdom of God has come because the king is here, is what Jesus is getting at. He uses the word repent. Now, repentance is a word that we've over-spiritualized, and it doesn't seem to mean when we say it very much at all. But in Jesus' day, repent was a military word that was used when people were marching, when a group of people were marching as a battalion. The leader of the group would tell them to repent, which means that they would stop what they were, the direction they were going in and listen for the leader to say the new direction that they should go in. And as he would say, we should go this way, they would go that way. So repentance is moving in one direction, stopping, and, and listening to the leader to follow that leader wherever he says to go. So in the context of Jesus, it means that Jesus is saying, we've all been set on a path of our own making or others have made for us that is not doing us all that it could be. It's not who we were meant to be. It's not who God would envision us to be. And Jesus asks us to repent and then to, to listen for him as he gives us direction about how to follow him. Well, what, what kind of direction does he give us? He says, believe in the good news. Now, this word believe, we often think, when we hear that word, we often think of things that go on in our head. We think of mental assent, uh, what we agree to. We might say, we believe in the cross and the resurrection, meaning that I believe that they factually happened. Uh, but believe is more than that. In Greek, the word believe is this word pistuo, and it's most often translated outside of the New Testament as trust. In fact, when we translate the word pistuo, we translate it as believe, as trust, and as have faith. But this Greek word pistuo always implies action along with agreement or mental assent. It's not one or the other, it's both. So Jesus says, repent, meaning stop what you're doing and follow me. How? Believe the good news. Trust the good news. Demonstrate that the good news is meaningful, both with what you believe in your head and with your actions. This word is thick with meaning in that context. Now, believing in what? The good news. Now, this would mean something like this, to trust in the gospel of Jesus, to trust in the, the, the wonderful story of Jesus, allowing it to shape our lives fully as an individual benefit, sure, because we get to be connected with God through this story of Jesus, but also creating us, it, by allowing it in, it creates us to become agents of good news to others. Believing the good news is something that gives us a benefit. We can connect with God because of it, but it also gives us a purpose. We can become agents of the good news as a result of trusting the good news. Well, what, what does that look like? In the book of Acts, which we already talked about is Luke's second volume to his gospel, 
Luke says this at the very beginning of Acts. He says that in his first book, he wrote about what Jesus began to do, which means he's implying that the book of Acts is the continuation of what Jesus did through his earliest followers. In other words, we get to see in the book of Acts what it looks like for someone to believe the good news. What impact does it have on people's lives? And what we see is that the earliest followers of Jesus proclaim the good news with their mouths, just as we said, just as we saw Jesus do, and that they live it out with their lives by caring for the needs of the materially poor, caring for one another's needs, healing the sick, etc., etc. And what did this do? This resulted in others experiencing the good news, hearing the good news, and others becoming agents of the good news themselves. So let's repeat that process. Jesus brought the kingdom near. He said, follow me. He said, believe in the good news. And people did. They became agents of the good news. Then they shared the good news. And the people with whom they shared the good news became agents of the good news. And that process has been repeating since that time until today. All that to say this. So what is the good news then? How does the New Testament characterize it? Here's the way I like to think about it. The good news is the story of God's rescue, which provides forgiveness for humanity and restoration for all of creation. Could there be any better news than that? Now, all of this is well and good, but it leads to a very important question, and that question is simple. So what? The good news is God's grand rescue plan. So what? What does that mean for us today? Well, here's what I think. The gospel being God's rescue plan, that's, that is something that we can share with our mouths and our actions, means that, that we need to imitate Jesus, just like the earliest followers of Jesus did. And we do that by proclaiming the good news, by sharing it with our words and our actions, making sure that they go together. Now, how can we be and share the good news? Well, we need to know what the good news is. So we need to imbibe the good news every day. Now, we can do this any number of ways, but the way that I like to do it is by reading some of the Gospels every day, reading some of the story of the kingdom come near, of Jesus asking us to repent and believe the good news, and doing it daily so that I can be influenced by the gospel so that whenever I have opportunities to be and share the good news, I know what I'm being and sharing. Now, that's the first thing, is to experience the good news by, by reading scripture and do it every day. Second, is to experience the good news within community. Now, this is vitally important. If we are completely separated from community, we might begin to define the good news in ways that are, we'll put it nicely, eccentric. Instead, within community, we can provide checks and balances for each other so that we don't go off the deep end theologically. But not only that, we can provide context for one another in order to help each other share and be the good news together by, by holding each other accountable, by giving each other tips and, and help, by praying for one another, by literally doing it together. Um, there's nothing quite like a group of Christians, even a small group of Christians, if we want to use the fancy church word, um, coming together on a mission together to share the good news with a particular people group. 
And that can be in whatever way that makes sense to you. For, for my wife and I and the community that we're a part of, it means sharing the good news within our neighborhood, our literal neighborhood where we live, with our neighbors that live within our, 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 uh, our housing complex and those who live outside of it. And, and doing so as often as we can and doing it with community. These things are very important. So we need to imbibe the good news every day. We need to experience it within community. Third, we need to pray for God to show us to whom we can share the good news. Who do we need to share the good news with? With anybody? With everybody? Well, the answer to those questions, of course, is yes. But God has a plan for us. He has a particular people or particular person he wants us to share the good news with. And and it would be best if we utilize our energies and our efforts toward the people that God would want us to share the good news with. So how do we do that? We ask God to show us to whom we can share the good news. Now, this prayer can be simple. It can be what you pray before you go out of the house. You can say, God, please bring people across my path you'd like me to share the good news with. You can pray it in your small group. God, who would you like us as a small group to share the good news with? You can even pray it as a congregation. Lord, as blank, blank church, who can we share the good news with in our community? Who would you like us to focus on? Focus is important. It allows us to put our energies and efforts toward a single goal instead of trying to do everything. We need to first imbibe the good news every day. We need to experience the good news within community. We need to ask God to show us who to share the good news with. And, and really importantly, fourth, we need to obey. So as we ask God to show us who to share the good news with, he will show us who to share the good news with. And we need to actually do it. Now, we can start small, of course. Um, God may say, you know, be, you know, you should share the good news um, at your work. Well, how do you do that? Well, you can do that by, by being pleasant, by smiling, by being kind, by putting the interests of others first, by treating people like humans. I don't know about you, but a really common thing that I do is I view other people in my life as extras in the movie of my life. They're, only, they're over there, but they're not really important. They're not having real conversations or have real problems. They're just extras in my movie. That's really unfair because from their perspective, I would be an extra in their movie, but I know I'm having a real life. So I need to treat people like human beings, like they're the star of their movie. We, we all deserve to be treated like humans. So it can be something small like that, a smile, being kind, telling someone that you're there for them, whatever it might be. But it could be something big too. It could, it could be saying, looking at your, your city, your neighborhood, your state, your country, and seeing that there's something wrong and wanting to be the good news in that context, wanting to get involved in a social justice kind of issue like human trafficking or gang-influenced youth or, or whatever it might be. And, and it can be that it can be something big like getting involved in community development. That's a huge thing, a huge thing for us to, to a, a large bite for us to take, but it's a way that we can be the good news in very tangible ways in our communities. Our, our obedience can be small, it can be big, but it also can be very spiritual in nature. We can, we can literally teach people about Jesus using words. We can lead people to Christ, having them pray the sinner's prayer, becoming part of community, becoming a disciple. We can engage in mentorship and discipleship programs with others. There's all kinds of ways that we can very explicitly, spiritually be the good news. And of course, 
We can be the new good news physically for people too. We can help provide for people's needs. We can help provide training and, and things of that nature with people. There's all kinds of ways that we can physically be good news for people too. But here's the point. We need to just do it. When, when God shows us to whom we can share the good news, we need to just obey. Now, lastly, I think this one's really important. We need to always be open to experiencing the good news ourselves. We, none of us, is ever going to get there. We're never going to have heard the good news enough. We're never going to have experienced God's rescue plan enough that we don't ever have to hear about it again. So we need to continually experience it through Bible study, through prayer, through worship, through community. And this one's really key. We will experience the good news through those whom God has called us to share the good news with. As we share the good news in big and small ways, in spiritual and physical ways, the people that we are serving, that to whom we are sharing the good news, those folks can be the people that help you experience the good news yourself, as long as we are open to it. So, the good news is God's grand story of rescue, of forgiving sins and making all that's broken right. And the gospel is something that we can live and share with our words, both, not one or the other, but both and together. And the gospel is something that we always need more of. We can never have enough of the good news. So, let's get together with others. Gather your small group. Ask other believers that you know to come together with you. In fact, ask anyone to come join you. It can be someone who's not yet a follower of Jesus. Ask them to be with you and to experience the good news with you. Ask God to teach y'all by to, to be and to share the good news and be open to the gospel yourself too. Thank you so much for exploring the topic of the gospel with me. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, then please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. And also, check out my website, jmatthewbarnes.com. That's jaymatthewbarnes.com. Lastly, if you'd like to help support the creative process that helps bring this podcast to life, then please check out my Patreon page. Simply go to patreon.com slash jmatthewbarnes. That's the letter J, Matthew Barnes. There are some fun rewards there for folks who pledge support, although any level of support will be greatly appreciated. Thanks so much for your time, grace, and peace.